0: Hello, Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown Podcast. Let's jump on that sober train and ride right into the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety. And real quick, I want to mention the uh, Sobertown Podcast.com website. All the episodes can be listened on the uh, website. Plus, we have um, Todd's blogs, Sober Toolboxes. It's a great place to go in. And you can, there's a lot of information that will help you build a sober toolbox. And I also want to mention the app where probably 98% of us that have been on this on this podcast have gotten sober. And it's the I am sober app. And you can find it in your mobile store. So good morning. And this morning we have Kim. MC, aka Kim Forty Four, Kim. Hello.
1: Hi, Drifter. Good morning. Good morning. How are you?
0: Good. It's almost noon where you're at, huh?
1: I know. It's nearly lunchtime. Nearly time for a feed.
0: <laughs> so I got I got up at two fifteen a.m. and it's like you're eight hours ahead of me.
1: I know. I just, I just think you're amazing to be able to get up at that time. That's a, um, a no go for me. <laughs>
0: yeah so you're going to share your story with us today Kim and thank you for coming on and thank you for sharing your story with us so where would you like to begin
1: uh well first of all thank you for having me on and um yeah it's I think I'll start at the beginning it's probably easier to sort of do it in chronological order for me so I don't get mixed up with (laughs) with what's been going on so yeah it's um I'll start at the beginning. So it all began um, in Glasgow. I was born in Scotland. My mum and dad um, lived and worked in Scotland. So my mum was a nurse. Uh, My dad was a hotelier. And my dad got offered a new job uh, in in the northeast of England. So when I was two, we all moved down uh, to the northeast. And um, Yeah, we settled here. So my mum worked in the hospitals. She was a uh, full-time paediatric sister um, in the intensive care unit. So she worked seven nights on and then she would have a week off and then seven nights on again and then a week off. Uh, With my dad being in the hotel trade, he was know very rarely at home either occasional weekends uh where you know he would take us swimming and he would go to the gym and he would leave the the hotel um staff to look after us in the pool uh yeah so the majority of the time we my sister and i she was born two years later were brought up uh by a nanny so she lived in for you know a week at a time and uh, we just adored her she was Auntie Ruth she was called she was a ma- an amazing lady uh very very fond memories of Auntie Ruth and we you know we used to go on dog walks and bicycle rides so that you know that aspect it was lovely my my dad you know even before I was born he was having affairs um you know, left, right, and center. And I became aware of these affairs um when I caught him uh with the lady from down the street. So that was that was a bit of a, an eye-opener when I, I think it was about eight when that happened. Um and you know my mum and dad's marriage broke down um he stayed in the spare room downstairs, and uh, you know he used to he used to come in from the pub drunk every night, uh, or from work. He would drink drive all the time. Um, alcohol was very normalised in in the house growing up. It was it was something that appeared to be uh, used to relax to. You know, after a hard day at work, it was, yeah, you have your wine, have your, have, your, have your whiskey. And, you know, growing up, um, we would go up to Glasgow through like, the holidays and stay with my grandma, and she was uh, an amazing, amazing lady, great cook, would host a fantastic party, and she would have these big dinner parties where everybody would come in their, you know, their breakfast, their bow ties and their suits and the ladies would get all dressed up and it was a big affair and obviously lots of alcohol was involved she had this cupboard full of alcohol um and my sister and I and my cousins were um we had the task of being the drinks drinks lady or drinks drinks boy drinks girl so we would go and make people their drinks you know this is you know how we we must have been sort of seven eight nine ten you know really really young and we were making gin and tonics whiskey and waters uh pouring glasses of wine and we thought this was great we thought oh we're so grown up we're making all the adults their uh, drinks and you know and obviously um you know we'd have a little sip and it, it was, there was just there was a photo actually of, of my sister and i at my grandma's house in the hall and we were, you know, dressed up in our lovely, lovely clothes. And we were we were drunk. We had been out to a restaurant and we'd been helping ourselves to the champagne that had been left on the table. So by the time we got back to grandma's, you know, we were laughing, falling around, giggling drunk. And this was like, this was everyone thought it was great. It was funny. Um and thinking back to that, it's like from a really young age alcohol was a positive thing. It was positive and everybody had a great time and you know, you, people could let loose and yeah, enjoy themselves on alcohol more than what they did so, sober. It was needed to have a good time. So yeah, so that was the kind of introduction I think to alcohol. Um, and you know, it, I, I don't think it, de- it definitely wasn't a conscious, decision uh, or kind of to give us that impression of alcohol but it kind of sticks when you're young you're young and impressionable and you you look up to your your elders don't you um so yeah that was that was that and we um at Christmas when we were up there we you know would have lots of people around the table and I remember sitting there and the children were kind of we were, we were there, we were present, but it was all talking politics and, and you know, what was going on in society at that at that point. And as children, we couldn't really get involved in that conversation. So it was like, I think, I don't know if that's where my fear of large groups comes from. Um, lots of people all talking and I feel like I can't get involved. So that's like a big anxiety thing for me. Um And, you know, maybe that's another reason why my drinking got so out of control is it helped my anxiety with big groups of people. Um, And it was, you know, my family were all, they were all very high flying, good jobs, managing director of airports, high up in in the NHS and running hotels. And it was, it was, you know, I had, there was very high expectations of me when I was younger and university was expected you know good grades was expected and that was never me I was never um academic uh, that wasn't my learning type I was more I was back into my sports um, yeah I, I I was a swimmer when I was younger, I um, used to do county swimming. So that was a lot of my time, until I was 15, a lot of my time was taken up by sports, uh, swimming, doing triathlons, horse riding. Um, I did a little bit of trampolining, I was never very good at it, but uh, yeah. So when we moved to the the Northeast, my mum and dad had me enrolled in a private school. Um I was there for about three years and then my dad dad ended up losing his job. Uh, and that was through drink driving. Um, he lost a really good, well-paid job, and that meant that mum and dad couldn't afford the fees anymore. Uh, So I was taken out of private school and put into the school down the road and I really, really struggled. I'll never, ever forget that first day of going into this new school, big group of people, um, you know, class of 30 other children and just being absolutely terrified It was, you know, I just cried my eyes out, watched my mum walk away from the door. And uh, yeah, it was, it's kind of, it's because it's left a little scar of, yeah, I just felt alone. And yeah, anyway, so we continued at that school um, for, well, until the end of my schooling, really. And my dad um after he lost his license his drinking got out of control he would um he would be at the pub every night when my mum was on night shift he would leave us in the house and he'd go off down to the pub and he'd bring us back a packet of minstrels or some chocolate and this was something that we you know, we weren't to tell mum that, you know, he had left us in the house on our own because we were just little at that time. I suppose it is, as children, you don't really see that as, as a as a bad thing because oh, daddy's going out to get us some chocolate when he comes back. And that's, that's just the way it was. Mum and dad's relationship really started to break down. I mean, he was living the high life when he was working um in the hotel industry. He was living the high life and he was, you know, drinking on the job and um, having affairs left, right and centre. Like I said, he had a, an affair with the lady down the street. And it was just as children, it I suppose it was hard. And I think that the main person in my life at that time was my that I really really looked up to was my Auntie Ruth my nanny um who like I said lived in seven nights a week um and then a week off and then she left my dad left and she left kind of around the same time and that was that was difficult um mum was still doing night shift the that point was like where a form would...
0: of abandonment wasn't it
1: yeah, I suppose it was. Because you lost,
0: you lose your nanny, you lost your dad, and you, you kind of became unsupervised right then, didn't you? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, we did. But, you know, as we kind of got into our early teen years, we thought this was great because it gave us the free reins to kind of do what we, you know, what any kind of rebellious teenager might do. And, you know, my mum well she was left with a very difficult decision it was do i um drop down my hours at work and uh sell the house go to a, you know a different area the kids move schools again which you know she knew that we found very difficult when we moved you know the first time so she decided that she was going to stay working full time seven nights on and um and to keep the house where we were but that was at the detriment of of having her around so yeah you know, I, I understand she was put in a very difficult situation um as a mother now i can you know i can i can understand and sympathize with this this the struggles that she had so we were My sister was two years younger than I was and I, you know, up to that point until I was 15, my life revolved around sport. I was very sporty, um, you know, swimming for the county and, you know, every evening just about I was I was in the pool a couple of mornings a week. I was in the pool. I used to do swimathons and, you know, um, graded meets. And, you know, I loved it. But then the swimming on a Friday night, some of my classmates used to skip the swimming and they would go out around the village. So me being very impressionable and wanting to be involved with the social aspect and try and make some some more friends, Um, I decided that I was going to do the same. So I would uh, I would get to the pool I would um and then I would just I would go out on the streets and be drinking and um you know we used to drink in the park we used to drink and then the police would come and you'd have to run you know up the track you'd be downing your bottle of cider and you'd run away from the police and people would end up sick because they were drinking so much there was a, a couple of girls in my in my year at school who ended up in hospital getting their stomach pumped because they drank so much um, and then hanging around the streets at that age at 15 you become involved with the older people that are there so there was the older girls and the older boys and you're very impressionable um, and you start to no longer look to your parents and look up to them you start to look up to these older older peers and want to emulate them what you know what they're doing and they're having a great time and they're drinking and they're going out in cars and and getting stoned and having ecstasy and having speed and and yeah it was wow this is exciting did, did it
0: turn into more by this time more than like just more than friday nights
1: yeah. So it was kind of whenever my mom, my mom would leave for work at um, seven in the evening and that would be me like, right, time to go out. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out <laughs> and I'm going to have drugs and I'm going to get drunk and I'm going to, yeah, but it you know, it. So you're it was, all
0: in, you're basically getting all in at 15. You're getting into yeah. the drugs and the drinking and you're all in now. Trying yeah. To-
1: yeah yeah that's right and then then there was the added high expectations of my family to do well in school um go to university get a good job that was never me i really struggled academically at school academically at school um and it was yeah so I was 15. Um I think a big turning point was um I ended up getting in a car with some older lads they must have been. I was 15, they must have been 18, 19, 20. And I thought this was great. You know, they asked me if they if I wanted to come and get stoned. So I was like, "Yeah, why not? Let's go and get stoned." So we went um for a drive and they were smoking bongs in the car and it got really really you know they kept the windows closed so you could get more smoke and get more intoxicated so I um it got a bit too much I I, it got yeah it got too much and so I, I went outside and to get some fresh air and one of them followed me out um and took me up a a little pathway and um, he raped me. So that was really, I think that was a big, big pivotal turning point for me, um, which kind of contributed to my um, drinking behaviour, drug behaviour, promiscuity and... You know, I did all the things, you know, tell him to stop, tell him to get off me, um, trying to push him away. And he just continued to do it. And, you know, I remember I I got back home that night and my mum was at work. You know, there was it was it was horrible. It was horrible. I, I thought it was my fault. I thought my fault. I've got in the car with them. I got out the car. I let him take me up there. But it wasn't my fault. I understand that now. And I can look back at that now and say, he took advantage of me. What he did was wrong. I was 15. And it is a big regret that I didn't do anything about it, that I didn't, I didn't, you know, inform the police and get something done. But anyway, you know, it's by by There's no point looking back at it like that. It happened. And it just, I suppose, it kind of.
0: But it was it a turning of, point for you, too
1: definitely a turning point because after that i wanted to take control of my body and i um rushed out and um to me that wasn't me losing my virginity i didn't lose my virginity to him i wouldn't i wouldn't have that i wouldn't accept that i decided to go and um i got in a relationship with somebody and we we had sex and it was it was it was it was rubbish, it was horrible it was but but that was my decision. I took that control back, and I made that happen and then after that, you know it was uh, yeah I was I was very promiscuous, and then the drugs got got heavier and more often I was smoking dope from the minute I woke up to the minute I went to bed, and um yeah, my school work really really. I struggled, I struggled at school uh, because I was just so into, you know, sort of impressing these older people and wanting to be accepted into the fold. And it just, it was just, I suppose it was a very dark time. And this went on, this kind of went on for, oh, from when I was about 15 till I was about 23, 24. Um, In that time, I managed to go to college, stoned. Um, I got a a diploma in holistic therapies. So that's like aromatherapy, reflexology, Indian head massage. Um, And while I was in college, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. So, and I was very, very sick um, for for quite a while. I lost a, a hell of a lot of weight um i was down i was under 6 stone and it took them ages to to figure out what was wrong with me so all all the investigations colonoscopies um you know barium 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 meals that you had to drink and it was just awful yeah it was horrible so yeah so i got diagnosed with crohn's and i ended up with a, an ileostomy so it's like a bag um gathers all your, your excrement and I had that for a year. Uh so and, and that you know my drinking was out of control then as well. And I just So even tried. with that
0: bag on you, you were yeah. still partying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't gonna let that stop me. I just <laughs> I yeah I just I don't addiction's know addiction's crazy
0: isn't it? It is not it Addiction is, crazy. is just crazy.
1: It's really crazy. Um and it was Yeah, it was it was it was a strange old time. And I just I look back and I just feel so sorry for my mum. You know, all the watch, you know, she what her watching her daughter going through this, you know, drinking so much and and taking all these drugs. And because she was out at night shift, I'd started to get all these um, you know, my druggie friends round to her house through the night. And then she would come back in the morning and we'd all still be up partying. And I'd be like, Hi mum, hi. And yeah, this is such and such. And this is duh, all my friends, all my drink, drug friends. And it's like they weren't really my friends. It's uh, that's not true friendship, is it? But you Yeah, so it's um it just i I got to, I think i got 23, 24. Uh, oh, but
0: there's a picture you have of you at 22. Mm-hmm. At, was you asleep in the bathtub with your clothes? I on? was
1: just absolutely monged. I was just so, so out of it. Yeah. And I had to go and lie down in the bath and it's just thinking back to the States. I used to get in with drugs. Like, just yeah uh, yeah, um i I met my husband, my now husband when I was twenty four um and uh, you know, I'd stopped the drugs you know b- before I'd met him, but alcohol was my new that was that was it was just alcohol, alcohol was socially acceptable. You know, you weren't going into the toilets in the pub and and sniffing lines of coke or dropping pills, you know, or, or having speed. It was that was no more. I thought, right, I can be responsible now and I'll just have alcohol and that's OK. I can just have alcohol. And because everybody drinks, right? Everybody drinks. You know, you go out, have a good time, you have a drink. Um, But, you know obviously that got out of control and my drinking had been out of control for a a long time. Um, and I just, something had to give, I
0: suppose. And did you guys drink, drink together? You and your husband?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we, we drank together and that gave me the free reins to, to drink as much as I wanted. And likewise with him, um, you know, everybody drank all my family drank all his family drank it was it was just that that was life that was life um you get in from work you'd open a bottle of wine you'd finish the bottle of wine um you'd have you know a full bottle of wine didn't touch the sides um and it just it really progressed you'd think when i was i got i got stopped um on this yeah this is another little one so I was at the pub I'd run out of cigarettes and I decided I didn't want to pay the ridiculous prices for the cigarette machine I was going to drive to a shop and get them at a better price and get more in the packet because you only got 16 in a packet from a, a cigarette machine so I after a bottle and a half of wine I got in my car and I drove to the shop and I was changing a CD on the CD player and then the blue lights went on behind me. And I was like, oh shit, no. I knew straight away I was gonna get breathalyzed. And yeah, I did, got breathalyzed and locked up for the night. And my driving license was taken away. Um, And then another run in with the police, I was in town. I got separated from my from the group that I was with and I was absolutely, I mean, I can't remember. I must have been absolutely mortal drunk. And apparently um a member of the public had phoned the police because they were concerned for my welfare and I got arrested for drunken disorderly. And I must have put up a bit of a fight or something because I had bruises and cuts all around my wrist from when I was handcuffed. I've got no memory whatsoever of this. Absolutely no memory at all. So you'd think these two instances would tell me, you know, something. your drinking's not right, this isn't right. I, was, I, w- I went on a course with other people who had been put on f- f- from the drink driving in- incident and we had to watch videos and tot up how much we were drinking and that we were told all the facts and figures about how long it takes alcohol to leave your system. Um, and even then that didn't have an impact because drink drinking was important to me. It was, everything revolved around drinking. Um, you know, it, it wasn't just a social thing. I would do it in the house and um,
0: Were you drinking into blackouts a lot?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's how I went to sleep. So
0: you would blackout? Yeah,
1: Yeah. blackouts just about every night. Um, and then I, then I got pregnant with my first, and I didn't drink through the pregnancy.
0: Your little, your Um, little me.
1: My little me, yes. Yeah. <laughs> she's so
0: cute. Like she's just like you. She's beautiful.
1: Oh, thank you. She's she is, she's a lovely little girl. Um yeah, so three pregnancies and I didn't drink. Um and I thought, well, this is a nice little break from alcohol. Um I still wanted to drink, but I didn't. And then you know, as soon as I had the babies, I I started drinking again. And I thought, you know, I've had this length of time off, nine months off. I'll be able to. I'm pretty sure I can moderate. I'm pretty sure I can get this under control, and not drink as much as I was because I knew I was drinking too much. I, I'd known for a long time I was drinking too much, um but I still didn't see it as a problem. I I, I it was just it was socially acceptable. It was acceptable, you know. in in every sort of
0: form so but Um, being able to stop for three pregnancies it you must have like gave you gave you this false confidence like oh i don't really have a problem because i can stop right
1: yeah do you know what you're probably right yeah i think it did i think it did um and something that i'm not proud of um is i breastfed i'm obviously proud of breastfeeding but i drank when i was breastfeeding probably not as much as what I, you know, what I ended up drinking. Uh, but I still drank when I breastfed and that, that, that'll haunt me for a long time. I thought, because they're not inside, you know, then I'm not growing them inside me anymore. I, you know, I can, I can start having a few glasses of wine now. um, and that, I, that's a big regret. I. That was over here. Selfish. I don't
0: think I've ever over here. I don't think I've ever heard or seen any ever or, anybody really discussing breastfeeding and um, uh, alcohol with your yeah. kids, right? I've mm-hmm. never, they don't like, it's not something that's really, I don't even know if it's common knowledge because I'm just learning now about mm-hmm. that. Yeah,
1: myself. I know. I know. Same here. Same here. And that, that was the, that's it's just given me shivers because, uh, well, it, yeah. It What, what can happen to a baby if it's, it, it it's yeah uh, yeah it's, it's it's awful and i i i can't believe i i, I did that but hey i i didn't really I, I didn't see it as a problem and now i know that it could have been a massive problem
0: yeah and that makes and we're just we're sick. just learning that now from what we've heard recently on yes the uh, story on ias yeah
1: yeah yeah so so yeah um after each pregnancy um it, my drinking sort of went back to every night. When my youngest uh, was born, he's nearly six now. I think he, he must've been about three months old. And I thought to myself, I, this has got to stop. I, I really started toying with the idea of sobriety. Um, And I did a Lent. I'm not particularly religious. Well, I'm not religious um but I thought you know it's a good excuse I can because you know if, if you if you go and if you go into a social social situation and you say I'm not drinking they're like oh why oh okay all right and then they try and persuade you to have a drink but you know if I could say I'm doing Lent I'm like, all right oh well, well done good for you brilliant so I did the Lent and it was hell, it was hell. It was just awful. So when the, the 40 days had finished, for me getting that glass of wine or gin and tonic or whatever alcohol it was, it was like, oh, brilliant. I've done it now. I've done it, it's fine. I've got control over my drinking, um, but yeah, so-
0: Reward time, go- huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh-huh. It's just the association with alcohol and reward and relief. And you know, you have it to relax and breaking that cycle, breaking that mental thing in your head is really, really hard. It takes a lot of work, a lot of effort to change that mindset. And I obviously wasn't ready to do it then. Um, I, didn't know what you know how to turn what to turn what to do my mum had been saying to me for a while now look you need to really tone down your drinking this is getting too much um you need to be uh, a responsible parent you need to be available and um you know if something happens through the night and you're blackout drunk and the kids need you you know what what's going to happen there so yeah all these little things and responsibilities and um it was a big wake-up call uh this needs to this needs to stop so I I went to an AA meeting um I didn't like it I just didn't it wasn't for me and I continued drinking so um and then I found the um, I am sober app. It was the third of June, 2020. Um, And yeah, it's, I got three months when I first started.
0: And Um, that's where we met was the I am sober app. It is. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I had had actually started June 2nd. That was my sobriety date is June 2nd. You and Polly are June 3rd. And then we have had some others that were, with does too
1: yeah we had tea lover as well and tea lover. Um, yeah it was it and it was great I, you know i when i downloaded the app i didn't realize there was a, a whole community on there i just wanted a day counter and it was more of a i just thought it was more of a resource app so when i posted this my, my first post and then people started posting, you know, commenting on it. And then I realized I could read other people's posts and it was, it just opened up a whole new world and it was amazing. And I managed to get three months sober um, using the app. Um, you found a lot of
0: people like you, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that was a comforting thing because it's, it's a lonely it's a lonely process if you're doing it on your own. You need support. You need other people around you. And to to see other people were in the same boat as me and having the same struggles. And, you know, and then reading people who are further on, looking at their milestones and thinking, oh my God, like, wow, they're doing it. They're actually doing it. Maybe I can do this too. Um and, yeah, so it got to three months and I started to think, oh, I don't have a problem. <laughs> Those little <laughs> voices start creeping back in. You know, I've, I've done three months. I'm going to have a glass of wine. I'm going to have a glass of wine at my anniversary. It's my anniversary. I treat myself. You know, it's not a treat. It's poison. It's um, and then, you know, but that just, moderation
0: voice comes in. And here yeah. you knew that you got on the app. You had to find an app for a reason. You got into this community, and that voice still sneaks inside your head.
1: Mm-hmm. It you know? does.
0: It like does. like when you look at Shiki, what he had six or seven months or something like that, and then yeah. um, moderation um, voices started going around that whole little six month group, and uh, it's just amazing how that happens. To where our own minds trick us into taking a drink again. I
1: know it is, it is, it is such a strong voice. And if you haven't built your toolbox up, changed your mindset, and it takes a lot of work to change that mindset regarding alcohol, which is something that you've relied on for such a long time, um, and thought that it brought you, brought you, brought something to your life. It takes a long time to, to change. So, yeah, I ended up resetting and it took me a long time to get back on track. So it was, you know, I ended up, you know, drinking more than what I'd ever drank. I was drinking a a, a 75 CL bottle of spirit a day, um, two bottles of Prosecco or wine. So
0: you went from that one glass of wine that night with your on your anniversary right is that what you had one night one glass yeah yeah and then that just snowballed
1: yeah it did it really did it snowballed it was um it was I would have my my bottle of wine or prosecco that my husband could see and I would have my hidden bottle of spirit in the wardrobe so I would be going up and having gulps of, of gin or vodka or whiskey or whatever, whatever, whatever alcohol. Um, and then I thought, oh, God, right, let's, let's stop buying the, the the high, high percentage spirits. I'll buy some Malibu. That won't be as bad. So I would have Malibu or I might have Baileys. And I thought this was a better idea because it wasn't the, the really strong. But then I just ended up drinking even more to get to that same point because my tolerance levels at that point, was so high
0: so you're um, trying to switch alcohols to mm-hmm. uh what not drink so much or yeah regulate moderate went, yeah 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 just
1: trying and nothing worked and you know i didn't really we, we get call it, it that, it.
0: we call that filled experiments <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. i just heard that the other day filled experiments and now I'm, oh. i you know, loved it that's what we oh, use. i've
1: never heard that yeah oh god Yeah. So that was, that's what I was doing. Um, and I, I didn't really get hangovers because I was, you know, the, my body was just constantly intoxicated. You know, I was still going to the gym in the morning after the kids have gone to school and I would have been drunk and I, you know, I did struggle with the gym, but I had to go, I had to go. I thought, you know, I'm, I'm drinking, I'm going to the gym. Well, it's not too much. It's not too bad at least I'm kind of functioning and you, know, you know I was still functioning as, a, as an adult and but you know me, me and my husband would have blazing rows he'd be drunk I'd be drunk and you know this the blazing rows would be going on after the kids had gone to bed and it was yeah it, I just I'd I started listening to Annie Grace again and downloading a whole load of other books. this uh this naked mind and the unexpected joy of being sober every possible quitlet book i've listened to
0: so you knew and, the app was still there too though did you not want yeah. to get back on yet or no
1: i just i felt ashamed and i'd because I, I just yeah i i just felt ashamed of my drinking and that's not a very helpful thing to feel because it's not shameful it's an addictive substance it's a drug right Yes um, and it takes so many people it does it destroys lives it it so it your just, mindset
0: was, I'm gonna figure this out on my own. I'm gonna dive back into my quitlet and all that, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna figure this out mm-hmm. and that that wasn't working.
1: no, it wasn't working, so it was kind of coming up to Christmas, and I was still drinking and I thought, oh God, I really, really have to get a hold of this. I, I can't, it was kind of some home truths. I cannot control my drinking. I cannot drink like a normal person. It's just not in my makeup. Um, it's all or nothing and I have to do this. So it, I, th- I said to myself, do you know what? Get Christmas out the way. You know, I was drinking over Christmas, last drink, New Year's Eve, and that was it. And I had my last drink on New Year's Eve and then I stopped. And it was, you know, the first few weeks, few months, bloody hard work, really, really hard work. Um, Being sober and... It, it is hard work it's it's the hard one of the hardest things I've ever done but once you get those first you know few weeks few months under your belt and if you've managed to change your mindset and see alcohol for what it is and that it serves no purpose in your life anymore you know it it was ruining it was ruining relationships you have to cut it out. You have to change your mindset and you've got to cut it out. You've got to be strong. You've got to do the work. You know, if you, if you're kind of half-hearted or doing it for somebody else, um, you know, it's not going to work. So reading people's posts, listening to the. Um, so you, would, the, you
0: got back into IAEA is, was it um, what's your new sober date? Is it January 1st?
1: January 1st this year. So I'm oh, I'm just over 250 days now. I'm coming Boom. up to the next I know, I know, I cannot believe it.
0: 250 like, days, just over eight months. Yeah. So like,
1: how's that happened? <laughs> How
0: has that happened? Did you go back into IAS right off the bat? Is it, did you like okay? I'm going back there and I'm gonna get yeah. to myself. Was yeah, that the absolutely. first of January when you went back?
1: No, I got five days. Um, under my belt, and I posted, and you know, here we are. I'm back. Lockdown had just started again for the for the kids, and I thought to myself, I can't go through another lockdown, being drunk the whole time. I just can't do it. It's not fair on the kids. It's not fair on me. I need homeschooling to get done. So I, um, yeah, I posted again and not long after i'd done a few i did a few posts polly um got in touch and asked if i wanted to join one of the ladies groups and i jumped at the chance because i thought i need I i just need something more and she recognized that and i will be forever grateful to her um and and karina for you know welcoming welcome welcome i can't say it welcoming me in with open arms and just yeah and um, and their women's
0: groups are really powerful for you for you gals uh to support each other yeah
1: so powerful because i've never been involved with a group of ladies who are all so nice and so kind and so supportive And, you know, because it's it's thinking back to school, the girls in school were just all bitches. They were horrible. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, oh, who's got the best hair? Who's got the nicest clothes? And who's the, You know, in, in these in these ladies groups, I can just be myself. I don't have to filter myself. I don't have to pretend to be somebody else. Um, I can just be me and I'm accepted for being me. And that's a really lovely thing. And I honestly don't think that if I don't think I'd be at at nearly nine months if it hadn't have been um, for them taking me, you know, under their wing and involving me in the the ladies groups. And not only that,
0: you're all uh, struggling with the same. You're all struggling, struggling with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so you're all like minded. So you all know each other. Um, You're each other's people. Really?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I even met um yesterday, I met one of our ladies, um, Joe Eleven. So we went for coffee yesterday.
0: Yeah, and she told me.
1: Just, yeah, that was so good. And I I'm like,
0: just, I'm like, can we talk about you? And she's like, Oh yeah. And you know what? You guys were supposed to take a picture.
1: I know, we forgot. We didn't take a picture. We were too busy talking. And do you know what, Drifter? It feels like I've known her for years like we were just so comfortable with each other and it was just uh, you know the start of a, a lovely lovely friendship I'm, I'm so so chuffed I was really nervous before I met her and I think she was a bit nervous as well and was like hey god hi <laughs> gave each other a big cuddle and we just chatted and the time just flew. the time just flew um Giving up alcohol has been the best decision of my life. It really, really has. There's not one day that goes by and I I miss it or I feel like I'm missing out. And uh it's it's been a a real um eye-opener to what alcohol and drugs did to my mental health. Um it really it really affected my mental health no longer do I feel suicidal um you know you you didn't
0: mention that when you were waking up when you were drinking uh you had those suicidal thoughts too
1: oh it was terrible yeah I had a I had a bit of a breakdown um at one point I think it was oh how old I think I was 26 27 and I was at work and I took a promotion so I was a team leader and you know I was still drinking and um, I really struggled with this promotion and the support wasn't there at work and I just felt like such a failure Um, and I did I had a breakdown and I took an overdose um, of paracetamol I ended up in the hospital having, you know, various procedures done to to counteract the the paracetamol. Um, I then I was released from hospital and I I jumped out a first floor window to try and kill myself. And I ended up breaking my collarbone and fracturing my spine in three places yeah um, it was a very, very, very dark time.
0: So alcohol uh, never, is just really taking you through there, cam.
1: Oh uh, yeah, but you see, I never blamed alcohol. I blamed myself. I thought it was me, I thought I was flawed. I thought I can't I you're rubbish, you can't do this, you, you can't cope with this promotion, you're useless, you're you're worthless, you, you know, you can't even do this. Um, so it was yeah, and then I tried to jump out of the car on the motorway. Um, I tried to hang myself. I got a kitchen knife and dug dug it into my thighs and I've got huge big scars on my thighs and it was, yeah, and you know I have struggled with my mental health since I was fifteen since that incident that I told you about um and yeah, i've on and off antidepressants and yeah, it's you so. Know, this
0: whole time you're drinking, you never really even considered that it was the alcohol part of the
1: we, reason part, yeah. for you
0: going into these uh, mental episodes.
1: Yeah, no, I no, never, 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 never thought it was alcohol. Alcohol was my friend. I thought alcohol was my friend. I thought alcohol gave me something. It allowed me to block everything out. Um, it allowed me to put my blinkers on, and you know, not think too deeply about things. Um, But, you know, things got so bad. um, The crisis team ended up sort of becoming involved. And then I, I was in psychotherapy for a year and a half and CBT. And I still, I'd never admitted to anybody how much I was drinking because I knew it was too much. And I didn't want them to say, you need to stop drinking because... I didn't want to let go. <laughs> um, but yeah, since since stopping, I you know, I don't have these suicidal tendencies. Um and you know, looking back at the people that I used to associate with, a lot of them are still in that drug trap. You know, I left the drugs a long time, 13 years ago now that the drugs were out of my life, but a lot of them are still in that drug trap you know and there's been a lot of suicides from that group of people there was one just over the weekend um who committed suicide and it's it's another stark reminder of how dangerous alcohol and drugs are to your mental health to everything to your physical health it's just it's not worth it. It really, really isn't. So let's talk
0: about the difference. I mean, cause that's, you're going from jumping out of cars, uh, jumping out of the first floor window, ODing, all these different things wanting to die. Um, You know, I, I, I understand cause I used to wake up like that every day. And if it wasn't for my wife that I, I would have pulled the trigger. Now you're waking up. How are you waking up when you wake up?
1: Well I'm not I'm not the best morning person still <laughs> I still don't <laughs> okay. like morning it still takes me ages to pull myself round in the morning and I can be a bit of a grump in the morning but I'm, I am. I'm, I am getting up' I'm, I'm, I'm doing it I'm going to the gym in the morning I'm going to the gym sober. I'm not still drunk from the night before. Yeah and the gym is is great. I love going to the gym and lo- it, it sets me up for the day. I get my my workouts in the morning and then, and then I'm ready to to face the day and and do the things that I need to do. So you're not
0: waking up with guilt. You're not waking up with shame.
1: No, you're not
0: looking over your phone. Did you drunk text or anything like that? I know.
1: What did I do? Was, was I awful? Was I, you know, did, yeah. It's a lovely feeling to wake up and not have shame or guilt or regret. Um, yeah, that feeling. And knowing what you
0: got to do, get the kids ready for school.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, then you get in your routine with the gym and, and whatever yeah. you do with the gym. It's just a better way of living right now, isn't it?
1: Oh, it really is. It really is. The sober life, we just need to promote it. And you're doing such an amazing job promoting it on here. And I just, I've recommended people on various social media platforms listen to the podcast because they are just golden. I wish this had been, you know, devised months ago when it was, you know, I was first setting out. So all these new people at day zero, you know, the first few weeks, it's just going to help them so much. And I just think, I just thank you. And everybody, I, I'm sure I speak for everybody. Thank you for, for doing this. It's uh, it's amazing. Well, you know, when
0: I got sober for three years, I I kept looking... And I kept looking for a way to get sober and I couldn't get sober driving home every day from work. And there, there was just like no central place to get any information. And that's what, that's what we want to do. Give somebody a place they can go and and find all these other resources and direct them out to where yeah. this information is. And then when somebody hears your story, they're going to go, Oh, wow. I, I was that same way. and, they can figure out how to get out of their mess. Because you know what? If Kim MC, AKA Kim 44 can do it, anybody can do it, right?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is just, it's the best feeling um, to know that I am out of those chains, but, and this is the big, big but, one sip, as same as anybody, I'll be right back, right back right back and i'm not doing it i am not putting myself through that hell and that torture because once i'm back down there and it could happen just like that it's gonna take me a long time to get back out of it and that scares the shit out of me and i'm not doing it i'm not
0: and you know that from your last mm -hmm. pill experiment just starting out from on your anniversary and you know um like i must was uh like a, her anniversary was a big thing, I, a year ago, and she just got a year. I
1: know. It looks like
0: an, anniversaries are like a big trigger, you know. I oh, know
1: I can moderate. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, I remember I must, you know, um, at the beginning of of my of this uh, stint. Excuse me. <clears throat> she. I remember her telling me about how her mindset had changed. And I didn't really quite understand what she meant. And I think I was thinking, how do I change my mindset? And then things started to slowly click in, and my mindset started to change. And I was like, oh, this is what she meant. This is what she means about your mindset changing. And I really look up to her with the way that she has handled sobriety and, um, yeah, so that thing that she said to me really stuck, and something that Shiki said to me as well was, "What was it? You didn't get this far to only get this far." That yeah. that really really stuck, and I, that helped a lot. It helped a lot, and listening to his podcasts has helped a lot. Um, he
0: yeah, he's amazing, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. This last he is. one, did you hear this last one where he? He had to look down at his boxers to see if he if his boxers were on, he got action. If not,
1: yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. This
0: guy is oh. cracking up.
1: Oh my god.
0: <laughs> and then look like, at his boxers were on the chandelier. I laughed so hard. Shiki is uh. so funny. You know, he's he's fantastic. He but is either, even with him and, and others, even like I must and you and me we've had these moments where we had to go back and do that last field experiment mm-hmm. before we yeah. um, decided that I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It it, do, it, it, I don't know anybody who has decided, right, I'm going to get sober and that's been it. I I've, I've, I've racked my brains and I, I mean, there might be people out there, but I am not aware of anybody who's, who's just done it and never ever gone back. You know, I think we test the waters we see what we um, can achieve and try and moderate. And then well, I, we I like think to it has a lot to down. do with
0: that addict voice, Kim, because until yeah. we learn how to confront and understand that our mind, our subconscious, it doesn't care what's going on in our lives. It doesn't care uh, the consequences. The subconscious, all it wants is a drink, and that's all it wants. And it doesn't care mm-hmm. if it leaves you jumping off one stories or or yeah. committing suicide it just wants a drink and that's it yeah and when you learn how to change the mindset and confront that addict voice things change
1: yeah they do they really do and um there was another thing I was going to mention um so three weeks into January this year so that's three weeks into my um sobriety my husband got a phone call um now he was married before he uh, met me and um his ex-wife struggled with alcohol um she'd struggled for years she'd had a few sober stints um she ended up relapsing after a couple of years sober and she relapsed so bad that um unfortunately she passed away so she choked on her own vomit um, and passed away and that's all through alcohol and for that to happen three months into this stint it really really sorry three weeks into this stint it really shook me up it really shook me up it was so close to home and just another stark reminder of the devastation that alcohol causes I just wish she could have found a community like ours. Um, I mean, I don't I, I didn't know her. I didn't know what she was doing to to become sober or to try and tackle all this. It it just could Well, of, here's the problem. A
0: lot of people don't even know. Look, look at you. You thought alcohol was your friend. You didn't mm-hmm. even know that you had a problem with alcohol and all these things are going on. And that's that's with so many people, Cam, they they just don't know.
1: No, I know it's just, it's so sad. It's just so so sad what alcohol does to people.
0: So now we see we get to see pictures pictures of you at the beach. Is that the ocean mm-hmm. or a lake?
1: Um, it's the ocean. It's the sea. Yeah, the lake. North Sea. So it's a bit cold.
0: So you go out on the North Sea, and you're paddle boarding.
1: Yeah, with yeah. your kids. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you're, I mean, you're just I, doing a lot of things that would you be doing any of this if you were drinking?
1: No, not at all. For a start, I wouldn't have been able to afford it, for the amount of money I was spending on alcohol, and I just I wouldn't have had the inclination to to get off my backside and go and do something new. So, yeah, it's it's I just absolutely adore paddleboarding, and it's it's lovely, it's great, and the kids love it, and. Being able to be around them and being sober and being a present mum and, you know, things aren't perfect. Nothing's perfect. Life isn't perfect. But being able to deal with things in life and have a sober head on, it's just, it's so much better. It's manageable. And I'm not getting overwhelmed and swamped with just, oh, just, just pass me the drink. Just pass me the drink and I'll just forget about it and drink. It's, I'm I'm tackling things head on now, and I'm
0: I'm doing life, it. Life is manageable. The kid, the kids are manageable. My and mental health is better. And you're giving back constantly. I see you like an IAS. You're giving back all the time to people.
1: Yeah, it's something I feel I can do now. Um, I could never do it before because I was too much in my own darkness, and I was listening to a Brené Brown book and she said something and it really it really yeah it stuck with me once you can sit in your own darkness you can then be present in somebody else's darkness and that is that's really true and I think I've kind of I've dealt with a lot of turmoil and mental mental turmoil over things that have happened in the past and I'm dealing with it and I've dealt with it and I i can now i feel able to reach out to other people and that's that's quite a that's quite a nice feeling to be able to give back it is it's a nice feeling it's um
0: yeah. i think that's where the magic really happens in our sobriety is when we can give back because for me it like restores my soul because i've done so much damage through my life to anybody that knew me so being able yeah. to give back is like it's fulfilling and um, it restores my soul
1: it does it really does and you, you need you need that don't you to it, it does it helps it, it really helps
0: I remember when you came back onto the app I'm like because that, you were Kim 44 then I was like wow there's Kim yeah cool.
1: I am. <laughs> I'm back I'm back and it's yeah it's been lovely seeing seeing everybody else um who have, have been coming back as well who I remember from when when I first started it's you, you know, the, it's it, it's funny the app because I know it's all virtual, but you really start to feel a connection with people, and the connection's so important because I just don't. I, you can't do this on your own. It you do need support. You do need connection. You need to reach out. And you know, sometimes you're not always ready to reach out, and that's okay. That's fine.
0: And there because are was- times when you go through um, struggles too. Like
1: yeah. you
0: went through like a struggle right before seven months, didn't you? Kind of. Um,
1: yeah. Well, I think I did go through a bit of a struggle with. Um, yeah. Well, I knew I could never moderate. I knew I could never drink again. And it was, it was a bit of a, like, Oh, I don't like this feeling. I don't, but I, I, you know, I overcome it, overcame it. And I think I went quiet on the app for a bit and, but no, I, I know now that, that it, I just it cannot happen. It, I cannot pick up that drink. And I don't want to. I don't want to moderate now.
0: Yeah, so everything isn't to. always like, it's not like we've just found this kumbaya where everything is mm. just perfect. Life is perfect. And there's things that we still struggle with. Mm. I'm learning to mm-hmm. deal with. You're still learning to deal with a lot of your past. Yeah, um, you know, being raped, uh, uh, breastfeeding while you were drinking, and there are still things that you're coming to terms with, but we yeah. can do it now with the alcohol out of our lives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it's something that alcohol would mask, and you would bury it. It's no longer buried now, and I am dealing with it, um, because it needs to be dealt with, and. That's okay. That's okay to deal with it. And everything. Um, yeah, it's um I
0: well, you helped me today, just what before we started, when we were talking about groups um and being involved with groups. And I didn't realize that so many other people have a problem with groups. Cause I mm-hmm. mentioned it and I, I'm on Telegram with a larger group and I mentioned the other day that okay, this is what's going on and I I'm going to have to stop doing Zooms because it triggers something in me that I, I don't want to be that person. Um, and then you told me you struggle with groups and they yeah. so some of them told me they struggle with groups. I'm like, wow.
1: Big groups of people just terrify me. I, I, I can't cope with big groups of people. I am um, one-on-one like you and I are doing now maximum sort of three, four at a very Push and and then I go into retreat mode and I just kind of clam up and I, I I yeah my heart starts going you know start feeling dizzy I, and it's it's hard work it's a big effort it takes it out of you yes the big groups are just um are, are very triggering yeah I I don't like big groups you
0: it's, know and mm-hmm. I wonder if that's maybe the magic of IAS too because well I was even being triggered there it just took longer but you're not as triggered like when you go into like a, a indoor, like a 12 step meeting or something where all of a sudden you're in these groups and then they expect you to talk and you're like, you're not good in groups. And all of a sudden everybody's looking at you and it's your turn. And it mm-hmm. it's really confusing. Yeah. And I think
1: I just get, I get worried about, Oh my God, it, what are people going to think of me? um I need to stop myself from interrupting people because something will come into my head and I'll be like, "I need to say it. I need to say it. I need to get this out." <laughs> so I really need to. So yeah, but then I end up just sitting there and not saying anything, and then that makes me feel even worse because people are think, "Oh, she's not talking. Why is she not saying anything?" So yeah, it's 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 a whole kind of um, it, it, it's it, it's it's. I'm, I'm working on it. I am working on it, and I am getting better at not giving a shit about what other people think of me now I don't yeah it's I suppose it's not of my business what somebody else thinks of me is it it's um in it does it yeah so it is I am working on it
0: yeah and for me I don't even know if it's that so much about what other people are are thinking of me it's just what the situations I've been in my life groups were when groups started forming it was usually dangerous and mm-hmm. I go into more of like a survival mode myself. Uh, that gets my adrenaline. My adrenaline goes yeah. through the roof, and then um, uh, I'm primed and ready for whatever's going to happen after that. Yeah. Right? Oh. So,
1: yeah, but it's good that we can now recognize this, and we can we can start working on things like that. It's um, yeah, we never would have been able to do that if we'd still been drinking.
0: So you're like at eight point five months about right now, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because the first is your yeah it's i mean it's the fourteenth and the first is your well hold it the first are you are are you at nine months
1: I'll be at nine months on the first of October
0: oh the first of october okay mm-hmm. yeah so, okay so man you're that's you've come a long ways
1: i uh, do you know what i feel like I've come a long way i really do um and I'm going to blow my own trumpet. I do. I feel like I'm doing, I'm so proud of myself. I am so proud to where I've got. And, um, you know, my husband still drinks. Not as much as what he was. Uh, so that's been hard for him. He's struggled with that a little bit because he's lost his drinking partner. So we've really had to work hard at reestablishing our relationship. Uh, with me being sober now. Um,
0: Because he's getting to meet a new you. You're not the same person, are you?
1: No, I'm not the same person. So, you know, when I first met him, I was a shell. You know, I was really, I was timid. I was, yeah, but I've, I've grown, I've grown a lot over the years and massively since I've stopped drinking, um, I still have high hopes for him stopping. We shall see. We shall see. Well, there's,
0: we have a lot of women out there, Kim, that are struggling with their husbands drinking still. Yeah, it and, is.
1: It's, it is hard. Yeah.
0: And it's like, almost like caused a barrier, but you're working through it. So. But
1: yeah, yeah. Trying to work through it. It's, um, yeah, he, he's just, he's started to drink just on, well, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, I mean, he drinks more of the week than he doesn't. But it's a start and he's cut out the, the whiskey. He collects whiskey, actually. So we've got a whole load of, sort of rare bottles of whiskey in the garage and in the loft that he's keeping for university fees, if, if the children so choose to go to university. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, alcohol is still around me um but it is in society alcohol is everywhere and i think you've got to you've got to be comfortable with it being everywhere because you can't change it you can't change the fact that people are going to be drinking so it it does even the people you love yeah yeah exactly yeah
0: it's just and then we're bombarded day in and day out with all the ads of All the great things that alcohol does for you that a lot of people struggle with too they're like what happened why is my mindset why why am i wanting to drink well you just saw 15 commercials Mm -hmm. about budweiser you know and this and that the other and they're they're over here psyching you out subliminally and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you know you're driving down the road thinking oh wow and you see that sign by the liquor store and you want to pull in there you're I know it really its
1: awful it winds me up I never ever used to notice this until I read um this naked mind and I was, I was listening on my audiobook and I was like oh god like this is so true it is everywhere it is ingrained into society from a very very young age you see alcohol everywhere it is like she says the elixir of life um,
0: and, and she was a marketer. She knew how knows how to market it, and she sees all the tricks uh-huh. that they play. Look, these guys have the, all the money in the world. <clears throat> they pay the best minds in the world. In fact, one day I did a post about how well they know our personalities. They can <clears throat> you can answer like like twenty questions, and they can pinpoint what type of personality you are, and then they know how to market that pers- that personality it's, it's just crazy. crazy
1: it is absolutely crazy and it does infuriate me now because I think I think you know my kids are now exposed to to this and you know I'm trying to teach them about the dangers of alcohol and they know that I don't drink now and my eldest has has said she's seen a, a change in me um that you know I'm 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 more fun now and I don't get as cross so easily and that that really, really choked me up when she said that. And it yeah. So it that all these little things as a consequence of me stopping drinking are having positive effects on my life and
0: and, and that, others' and lives too. Yeah. Not just your yeah. life. You're touching other people battling addiction and your own kids. hmm Because yeah. you're you're present, you're involved. Um, I must just got her year and she got some cards from her kids and her husband oh, and oh, she definitely. left a message and she was crying with just tears of joy because of what they said to her how how she's changed so
1: mm-hmm. it's, it's a big cool. thing it, it is, is a it. big thing you know being sober living a sober lifestyle excuse me is a big thing so and do you
0: do you like wear your sobriety wherever you go
1: yeah absolutely you yeah. own it Yeah, totally. I am so proud to be sober. And if people ask me why I don't drink, I'll tell them the truth. I'll tell them my drinking got out of control. I couldn't moderate anymore. I couldn't have one glass and stop there. I would finish the bottle and then I'd go on to the next. I I don't often tell them that I was hiding spirits, (laughs) only for close friends. Um, But, you know, my close friends were all really shocked when I opened up and told them exactly how much I was drinking because I hid it so well. I was, you know, a pro at hiding it. Nobody knew, huh? Nobody knew. Nobody knew. I was a secret closet drinker.
0: Even when you're jumping off one story, separating vertebrae and breaking your collarbone and uh, all this Mm -hmm. stuff, nobody ever even caught on.
1: No, no. Only person that did was my mum. Only person that really knew.
0: How's like your mom? She's just got to be so proud of you.
1: Oh, do you know what? Our relationship now has never been better. And it's, I, it's just lovely. It's brilliant. I adore my mom and I respect her so much. She's been left with a lot of hard decisions and she did what she thought was right for her children. And I admire her for doing that. And I'll be forever thankful for her. Um, for what she did for us. And yeah, our, 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 I'm just so glad our relationship is so much stronger now. And it, it I know she is, she's very thankful for that. And I think being honest with, with her, for me to be, able because I just denied it whenever she said, you're drinking too much, you need to sort it out. I'd be like, oh, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. Um, But for me to sit down with her and be honest and open and be really open, um has helped massively and that was a big step there's all these there's all these steps that have kind of happened this time that didn't happen the the first time I attempted it and they've all helped to get to where I am now if that makes sense it Um, does yeah
0: and it's amazing and you're amazing and it's just going to be it's so cool to where I get to see you know be part of your journey and watch you grow too oh thank you I I was kind of like out of the I've been I really got out of IAS for a little bit trying to get through my own struggles recently with my mental issues because just because I started a podcast doesn't mean that all of a sudden Drifter ended up some, you know, healed and everything. I'm just as sick or more sick than anybody out there. And Mm -hmm. I've got demons in my head that I'm trying to deal with on a daily basis too. Kim, we just keep pushing through. We just keep moving forward, you know?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and I just like we always say, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I have to get it that is. in
0: there. <laughs> Sobri- sobriety is so badass. I love it. And this it miss is. talks about wearing her sobriety, and you know she's into fashion, and it's the new fashion. It's cool yeah. to be sober. Uh,
1: yeah, it is. It really is. And I just, I, I just advocate it everywhere. Everywhere. It's um, yeah, I'm definitely proud loud and proud and i'm I'm,
0: I'm loud and proud of you you just thank you're amazing you so much.
1: thank you
0: i guess i'll be seeing you over on is and thank you so much for taking the time to share with oh. us oh,
1: there's a lot of you for- look,
0: your your story is so good and so important because there's a lot of other people that have been through a lot like you have and they're going to be able to relate to you Kim so
1: yeah well if you know if it helps anybody then that's that's amazing and that would make me so so happy so um yeah well
0: I I get the feedback um on these stories and and they're really helping people so it was just a lady that was driving the other day struggling trying to just make it home and Uh she listened she listened to Ima's story and she was listening to it and i must story got her home and your story and she didn't drink she didn't stop at the liquor store and your story is going to do the same for someone else
1: no i hope so you know just getting to the end of that day and not drinking is a massive win so you know you get to bed and put your head on the pillow and you haven't had a drink amazing and that yeah that was helpful in the early days just get to the end of the day just get to bed that's your safe place get to sleep and you've done it you've done a day and that's the way i kind of sort of put it into sections in the beginning so uh, yeah and and
0: that's how it is in the beginning mm -hmm. just get through the day because you don't even really have that problem now i'm just getting you, you don't even think about it you just go through the day and like that attic voice inside your mind isn't even powerful anymore, is it?
1: I know it's, it's not, it's not, it's, um, it's fucked up. Uh, oh, there go. sorry. That was my, <laughs> that's that's my phone. Right. It's gone.
0: But before that attic voice used to really dominate you, huh?
1: Oh, it was constant. It was constant. And it, it, it is almost like white knuckling at first through the first, few weeks and um, you just you know remove yourself go out for a walk um yeah go out for a drive just to just to get away and just to try and break that that voice engulfing your your, your thoughts in your head so that's what uh, i call the
0: arena yeah that's where the battle happens the arena in your mind uh-huh. you got your conscious and your subconscious and you're like, I don't want to do this. Oh, yes, you do. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, you do. And it's mm-hmm. relentless and it just doesn't shut up until oh, no. yeah. you learn how to shut it up. Kim, MC, and if mm-hmm. you want to see you, you're like, no, you're at the 250 at, day milestone now, right?
1: Yeah, 250 days. Um, My last post was at eight months, so I haven't posted in a couple of weeks. So I will. Yeah. Yeah. But 250 day post uh, milestone at the moment.
0: Thank you very much. and oh, Tons, of, tons of love to you. And I've really Me enjoyed too. this chat and Me we're too. part of the same sober crew. We are.
1: We yeah. are.
0: So, yeah. and that's, what's cool about sobriety is when you get sober, um, like in a, in a community, like we have, you get sober with some people and you, you're like, all, become all the same crew and you know each other and you become good friends. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've definitely made some lifelong friends and that uh, I didn't expect that. Didn't and you're just that.
0: like right down the road from Joey Levin. Oh my God.
1: I know. I know. Oh, fantastic. I just love it. So yeah, looking forward to our next, we were laughing because we went on a, a coffee shop crawl, not a pub crawl, a coffee
0: shop crawl. <laughs> oh, right. Right.
1: Brilliant. <laughs> yeah.
0: So and then next time you guys have to take a friggin' picture.
1: Oh, I know. I, c- I cannot believe we forgot to take a picture. Right. I, how, how rubbish is that?
0: <laughs> Crazy. Thank you so much. And you guys, um, thank you for uh, spending some time with us here at Sobertown Podcast. And remember, Sobertownpodcast.com. And remember the app IAS. It's a wonderful community where you can go in and surround yourself with people just like you. So thank you, Kim MC.
1: You are very welcome. Thank you for having me.